Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. Matthew, I am so glad Jay chose that song. That's really good. It just gets me fucking hype every time. Welcome into Studio Breezy. We're here playing around with a little maybe future video thing that you guys probably won't see today, but playing around with some ideas to get on YouTube. But more importantly, Matthew, we have a lot of CFC women's signings to talk about. Yeah, we do. It's, uh, you know, it, it it's earlier than last year. And yeah, I don't some, think we had, and, a, and, and there's some big ones. I don't think we had a coach at this point last year. Yeah, so I don't think we did either. So, and, and, and we should, we should have a schedule soon. I'm not going to say tomorrow or anything like that, but we, it should be, it should be soon. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, you have more faith than I do, good sir. It's the WPSL. If it was Nisa, I'd be very worried. But first, I think we have a question that is very... Uh, well, yeah, you, <laughs> WPSL is much better organized than Nisa, for sure. <laughs> Woo! Um, but first, before anything else, I think we have a, a question from the mailbag about what we might be drinking today. Yeah, uh, I, we solicited some questions for for this uh, this pod and the upcoming men's roster pod. Thank you, everybody who submitted them, which will uh, which will drop probably Monday of next week, um, if I had to guess. Uh, but Jeffrey Clymer asked, "What uh, what are you drinking these days? Either on the podcast right now, or just like in general?" So last week I drank a lot of Trulies. I was on a cruise, uh, <laughs> and I drank a lot of Trulies. Trulies by the water or on the water. And that's your fault, by the way. It was you brought a 12-pack of either White Claw or Truly on the boat, and like I wasn't really... I, I drank them occasionally, but I wasn't like a big fan, and then I drank, I don't know how many, like six of them or whatever during the day, and the next day, after being in the sun and drinking all day, I felt pretty good, and I know I've said that on this podcast before, but it's your fault. Um, I want to point out, I'm just going to pass the blame and pass the buck here, because it wasn't actually my fault. It was it, Peter Fuller's fault. It was part. Peter Fuller's fault. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> who got me onto onto seltzers? But you, you're the one who brought them on the boat that day. I so, did. I did. Um, I did do that. But yeah. I, so I drank a lot of Trulies last week, and I'm not drinking much. I did Dry January. Um, I am still a social drinker. I still like having a few. I still really enjoy the social lubricant that is having a couple beers and, and being at the bar. But I'm not drinking on my own that much. So to answer that question, like I am still drinking whenever I'm with people, but I've no, dr I was drinking during the pandemic, like bourbon by myself, not a ton, but like I'd have a finish the day, grill something on the grill, maybe have a beer, have a bourbon. And I'm just not doing that right now much. But today I'm about to drink a delicious Chattahooligan Kolsch. Yeah. I'm going to join you in, in the Chattahooligan Kolsch, uh, for today. Thank you, sir. Um, I am, I'm trying to stick with seltzers, uh, I will occasionally do some do some burrs, um, especially at you know maybe a seltzers at a tailgate or maybe some beers at a tailgate. A lot of Chattahooligan Kolsch when um, when I you know kind of around CFC, um, and yeah, I actually have three drinks on this podcast currently. I have coffee in my CFC mug. I have this lovely Chattahoolian Kolsch. I also have my new um, obsession. Thank you, Owen Seaton. Uh, Topo Chico mineral water, just unflavored. Because for me, oh, like it's not alcoholic. No, it's not alcoholic. Huh. No, this is just a. Uh, this is just water. I didn't think that was like legal for Topo Chico not to make something. That I was know alcoholic. it's not a Topo Chico seltzer, so it is lovely. And honestly, like now, just because I'm trying to be a little more healthy and and whatever else, like drinking a Topo Chico with dinner. Or uh, after dinner or whatever else, kind of basically replaces a beer a lot of evenings for me. Yeah, uh, and then I, that means I can just have more guilt free on the weekends for CFC game days. Fair enough. You so, know, I, I've been uh, I, before we before we get into it. I've uh, 
I, I did a couple weeks where I wasn't drinking uh, the beginning. Yeah, of you Fe- did your own little dry January. It's just a little shorter. It was like two and a half it, weeks. It was like or two and a half weeks, the beginning of February. And um, I will say, there's something about having like just ordering a seltzer water with a lime mm-hmm. that's like it. It tastes practically just the same as as, as having a have having a, a, a real beverage of some kind. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I kind of enjoyed doing doing that at receptions because I could drink a normal reception amount, but not have to worry about about the al- alcohol. And I don't know it was it was a nice nice little new thing for me, and I'm yeah, probably going to keep doing it. I blame co-host Smitty for the dry January uh, because he just <laughs> mentioned it one day, and I was like, "Fuck it, let's do it." Um, and I did it, and I didn't do it with anybody else. I just did it, um, and then turned out Jeremy was doing it at the same time, which was which was also kind of fun, but. I, what, what it did, what January did was murder my tolerance, like going four weeks without drinking at all. I felt like a 17 year old kid drinking again when I started drinking <laughs> and 17 year olds don't drink. Um, but me as a 17 year old, like, you know, I had, when I had two beers, I thought I was like the whole world was, uh, like different. And that's how I felt coming back to starting drinking again after a month. It was weird. <laughs> it was weird, but it was fun. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, thank you for that question, Jeff. Everyone just got a deep dive into our lives. They didn't ask for, um, yeah, but yeah, let's uh, let's drink these Chattahoolie and Colches and talk some CFC women's rosters. So the first thing I want to do uh, with with this roster pod, this is going to be a part one. There is going to be more. Uh, there's going to be more more to come. We have eight signings that are announced right now, and we've done a couple men's roster pods already. So our men's roster pod will be different because we'll be in like version three of our men's roster pods. This is version one of the women's roster pods. Right, right. So we're not going to go as deep. Like you and I could speculate, but it would be dumb to speculate what formation we're going to play this year because, excuse me, because we only have eight players. Right. And I don't know. Coach Randy doesn't have the same defined style as Coach Rod. I will make some some guesses and some uh, some definitely some unasked for predictions. But I, w- I would prefer to do that when we have 17, 18 players yeah. so that I can make some, have some ideas behind those. Like this is what I think. Like I'll, I'll talk through who I think might be starters from these eight, but it's only eight players. Right. There's, there's just so much we don't know at this point in time. And that's why we're calling this a part one. Uh, we'll do, we'll do a part two later on in the, uh, in the preseason with hopefully some sort of tactical, uh, some tactical conversation. Maybe we'll, I mean, I'll, I want to have Randy on it at, at some point. Yes, absolutely. Before the season starts, and we talk, should do talk our through things with him. We should do our tactical thing after we have him on, so we're, <laughs> so we're a little smarter. Well, yeah, that's never stopped us before. Correct. So let's get into it now, uh, and let's let's start with with goalkeepers. There are none. There are no announced goalkeepers in the roster at this time. Uh, we did see we did see several goalkeepers in at at uh, women's tryouts. A few weeks ago, and uh, have any of them signed? I don't know yet. We're going to wait and see. Yeah, one of the questions here is that you and I can't answer, but like, it's it's a long way until the women's season starts. It's not a super long time, but it's it's another month later than the two months. Month later than the men's season. So right now, if I had to guess, there's probably a handful of women signings that are still in the hopper, and they'll they'll release them as as it becomes, but. I don't know how close this roster is to being done because there's a lot of college players that may not have made their decision or Randy may not have made his decision on players that he wants to have. If you remember in the MPSL days, we never got any roster things. I used to, if you remember, start tweeting at the CFC 
uh, account on Twitter when I used to use Twitter. At 5 a.m. At 5 a.m. Because I knew that Sean McDaniel or others had that in their pocket and still had notifications on because it was a small time club yeah, yeah yeah and so i wanted to bother them until they gave us roster and i used to tweet at them memes every day about roster and everything else and the beautiful thing is we have some roster announcements for an amateur team early on that's beautiful but we what i'm saying is they didn't actually know what the roster was going to look like in those days like truly look like we were until we were one of- a, a week or two before the season and so we may not know what this roster is truly going to look like until a week or two before the season you know this is a bit of nostalgia but we were one of the first thanks to in part, your 5 a.m. pestering, and that phone was not on the pocket; it was on the nightstand. Um, thanks to some of some of your pestering, like we started getting roster news about like amateur teams and players, you know, earlier on. Like it's pretty commonplace now that you you know even amateur teams, men's and women's, are, are announcing players that sign. Uh, and granted, those are those are you know amateur contracts, so you can break them pretty easily, but. Like, it's a regular thing now to, to build hype and whatever. Was it really a thing back in, like, 2014, 2015, uh, in, in 2016? Like, this is something that really we were, uh, among all kinds of things, we were on the forefront of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that what matters is people care. And we care, um, not but not just us. Like, CFC fans care. And so having these women's announcements early is fantastic. It's good. It's how it should be. Having men's announcements early and often is good and how it should be. And I cannot wait until we have more so that I can speculate much deeply, much more deeply on who's going to play and how we're going to play. Also, the song, the song that, that comes with the announcements. Do you know how hype I get? I watch each one of these announcements like six times because I get so hype on that song. <laughs> it's so good. So good. It's it, it's great. Um, so you've ordered these. Matthew did wonderfully good work while he was supposed to be lobbying at at uh, at events in the capital city of Nashville. Yeah, I did good work too. But also, I uh, took a took a few minutes uh, in the evenings to put this together. So we are not necessarily going chronologically in announcements. We're going to go d- uh, defenders first. Uh, and the first defender on this list is Anna Lanter. Welcome back, Anna. Copy time. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah, so Anna Lanter is a five foot four outside back from Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. She was captain of the women's team in 2022, uh, and she was all-conference best 11 in 2022, uh, a major bright spot in a admittedly difficult season. On the field. On the field. Um now, I mentioned outside back. I think that's important distinction here. I was gonna I argue with you in a moment. In an ideal world. In, in, in an, a, a well-put-together team uh, that, that's competitive, Anna's an outside back. Now, she did play a considerable amount, and we were better when she was playing center back, especially when she was next to who we'll get to next, Avery, Avery Catlett. But Anna's an outside back. Uh, her athleticism allows her to get forward when appropriate, defend when appropriate, pinch into the midfield when necessary. And and if I'm if I'm Randy and I'm building a team to try to compete for uh, the WBSPSL conference, uh, which I think is the goal, you know, you want, you want Anna as, as an outside back and you truly want actual center backs to play at center back. Uh, so that's why I listed her as an outside back. That is, I think that's wishful thinking. Um, sure. So Anna played, uh, she saw time because, and I'm going to yell about these roster rules again, or these sub rules again, like oh, you yeah. can sub out in and out similar to college. All the time in the WPSL. I think it's fucking stupid. I think we should, 
I don't care if you play with five subs, right? I don't even care actually to play like MPSL style and have seven subs. Like, I don't mind that, but they shouldn't be in and out. Correct. Like, I either think it's some weird sexism that says women can't play the whole game. It's either that or it's just modeling after the college game. So hopefully it's modeling after the college game, right? But either way, I don't like it. I think you should play with FIFA rules and FIFA rules being once you're subbed in or subbed out, you're done. Or I'm sorry, once you're subbed out, you can't come back in. Also, college rules aren't even this liberal. Like college rule, like these are high school rules. Yeah, and I and I hate it. Um, so, but my point being is, d- because we could sub in and sub out, and she did not sub out much. What we did, and what Coach Randy did, which was very smart, was he played her at right wing back at times, at right center back, uh, probably at left center back, at e- any of the center back positions, and I think she saw time in the midfield a little bit as well w- during the substitutions all through. Yeah, and number one, it shows her versatility, right? Number two, I'm not sure. I do agree with you that ideally you play a back four or a back three, and she's either a center back and a back three, or she's a right back and a back four. Let ideally, me, let me give you let me give you a hot take here, and I'm and I'm basing this on a back four just because I want to make it simple. What do I always say about outside backs? Them and eights slash sixes are the same. Exactly, center midfielders and outside backs are the same. So as I'm as I'm looking at at the rest of this roster, and we'll and we'll get to these players. You know, we've got a center back on the roster already in Avery Catlett. We've got a new... Well, who saw time in the midfield as well, by the way. We've got a new um, a new outside back named Grace Barker-Roberts, uh, an, an English player. She's more of a right back. You've got Ana Silva, who plays, you know, wing, a little bit of right back, a little bit of wing back type player. And then you've got two kind of attacking midfielders in uh, Mara Grootkamp and Nadia Avajinko. You're going to say a 3-5-2. No, I'm going to say that I... If you have a really dominant outside back who you want to make more influential on the team, you move him to the six. It's exactly what we ended up doing with Richard Dixon. Mm. Although Richard Richard kind of had the whole progression of a third um, or right right center back in a back three, and now the progression up to becoming the uh, the six for the men. And don't forget, he played the six in college. Some yeah, correct. Like yes, hot take. And Atlanta is the six. That's interesting. I like how we said that we're not going to make formations, and then I just like <laughs> we just made formations. Um, so let's let's go back a little bit. Um, I will say that Anna was, I think, the very first announcement, right? Second, second announcement. Who was first? Avery Catlett. Avery Catlett. Okay. Um, I first of all, I'm extremely happy to have both of those players back. Uh, I think that Avery was. I think those were our best two defenders. I don't know. It's hard. The, they were two standouts for sure. Yeah. Um, and at the center back position, when either one of them was not in, we were much weaker defensively. Yep. Uh, I think Anna Lancer is the biggest signing so far as a returner. And that I think that because of two reasons. First of all, off the field, she was and is the leader. She We had her on the podcast. She was incredible. I, I've told the story on the podcast, but I'm going to say it one more time. Like The first time I got to interact with her in a while um, was after a game and I watched her go person by person across the entire porch or not porch patio called it a porch. That's funny. A patio <laughs> at CBC. And she literally shook everybody's hand and said, hi, I'm, I'm Anna Lancer. I'm part of the CFC women's team. Thank you so much for being here. And all these people were like dumbfounded and like so happy that she was, and she didn't need to do that, yeah. but like Anna is all in. She's a leader. She brings the, she brings the team over to do the chat. high Nugalos. She was the, she asked through Alex, early on before the season started like are we going to do these things are these is this how it's going? like she just she knew how to take the traditions of the old cfc women's team and the cfc men's team 
and marry them together. She knew how to be a leader and what it meant to... I mean, I saw her at, after some games where... She might not like me sharing this, but where I asked, like, how you doing? And she's like, well, kind of hurting. I'd rather be home, honestly, but this is important or something like that. And yeah. like she's like going... And so like I, that, I love that. That means a lot to me. I think she gets it. Um, and she really is the embodiment of what I want CFC women to be. Like if I had the ideal player, like she's that on and off the field. So, and it didn't, it didn't hurt that she was our best player last year. And I don't think that was even close. Yeah. So correct. her coming back was a huge signing. I wasn't sure. I didn't know she was going to hang them up. Um, go play somewhere else. She's got a full-time job now. She's a grown up. Like I didn't know, but uh, when they announced her, I became very, very excited uh, and I'm very excited to have her and our next uh, player, Avery Catlett, back as well. Yeah, so Avery Catlett's a 5'9 center back from Knoxville, Tennessee. She was second-team all-conference selection in the Southern Conference for UT Chattanooga. Led uh, UTC to the uh, championship game. By the way, UTC were good. In the in the SoCon tournament, yeah. Yeah, no, like, yeah. And they're, D, they're D1. And look, Avery was very good. And I, I'm going to take a little credit that's completely undeserved. Um from or maybe completely undeserved, but I'm going to say her playing this summer with CFC, like seems to have propelled. She she took a step forward in her in her college career. Yeah, it seems like like and granted, I'm not saying I watched her the season before she came to CFC and the season after, right? Yeah. But it certainly feels like going second team All Conference is very good. Having a a much improved. I shouldn't say much improved because I don't actually know how good they were. I looked up, but I can't remember how exactly where they were. But they weren't conference champs. Um. They had they had a really good season in a in a very short like twenty twenty one like spring twenty twenty one like COVID ish uh, after year, uh, but they weren't that good the year before COVID, and I and I forget how many years she's been there now. She just finished her senior year. I don't know if she's going to if she has like a COVID year of eligibility or anything like that. Mm. Um, but I will say, little added added bonus here, uh, she's a, a spring semester OGA coach. Hell yeah. I love that. I love that. So I'm so happy she's back. I'm so happy Anna's back. So if I'm going to make any prognostications off of eight players, I'm going to say I believe these are two starting caliber players, and I would be pretty shocked if both of them. I, I think Anna Landers going to start no matter what. I just that's my belief, and I think Avery is going to be one of your two starting center backs. Okay. Yeah. That is. I who knows? Maybe we sign some wildly like. Yeah, you never know. But I just think Avery was very good. She seemed to take a step forward. She was very good for us last year. I expect that she'll be one of the starting center backs. Uh, I'm going to skip over the next one we have on my list uh, for, as a little housekeeping item because uh, I want to do returners first. So okay. we're going to move down the list. Uh, and next one up is Ana Silva. Uh, Ana is a five-foot winger slash outside back from Ringgold, Georgia. Uh, she was a member of CFC women's team last year. Ringgold. Ringgold. Uh, she was the uh, in the first ever class for CFC Academy uh, way back in like 2012 or something like that. Um, and and if you'll recall, she uh, she came from basically straight from the academy slash high school uh, to play for the women's team last year uh, before heading to Dalton State in the fall for college in her in her college season. She made 15 appearances for Dalton State, had nine starts. That's good. Dalton Dalton State has it's a good program. It's a, coming. It's coming on. They, they, both sides, their men's and women's program, are very good. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Um, so I want to read you something from her announcement last year. If you've never read her announcement from last year, guys, just Google Ana Silva with one N, Ana Silva um, CFC, and it, it's one of the first results. 
it's this is one of my favorite things I've ever read from CFC. It might be my favorite thing, and I'll read the, just a couple excerpts. She said, "I quote: I played for CFC Academy growing up." Said Silva, "I always looked up to the men's and women's team uh, and the men's and women's players as part of Chattanooga FC. It was a great honor to be a part of this team where I can finally be in the shoes I looked up to." And to play for a community so invested in this team and sport. And then the next part says, CFC is just a part for the Silva family. Older sister Gabby played for CFC Academy growing up. Their dad, Danny, has been a coach in the Academy every season since it was founded. Every season since it was founded, I repeat. Anna has gone from cheering from the stands to now being the one who receives the cheers at Finley Stadium. And then she said, and I quote, knowing I have this amazing fan base and support behind me will be my driving motivation, added Silva. I remember how much joy it brought to me to watch these incredible players before me. So I want to strive to do my absolute best in order to make my community proud. That uh, goosebumps, dude. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like Anna gets it and... This is like what it's about. Like it's we're not we're not going to have we're not going to be like a team that has only players that are born in Chattanooga. But this is the good stuff. Yeah. When somebody that like grew up supporting and then is good enough and play like it's just man, it's so good. So if you want to get hyped for the season, go read that. It's last year. It was her announcement. It's longer than that. Those are just three of my favorite pieces of it. And I'm, I'm fucking hyped. Just having yeah, read that. That's very cool. Let's move to. Uh... Uh, let's let's move to the forward position. Uh, another returning player, the fourth and, and final one, at least that we know of so far, is uh, Kaylee Burrell, a five eight forward from Trenton, Georgia. She's also former CFC Academy um, and was a four year standout at Covenant College. Used her fifth year to transfer to Grace College in Indiana, where she led her team with seven goals, seven assists in twenty one matches, and that culminated in a. NCCAA D1 National Championship. Uh, she also scored two goals for the CFC women's team in 2022. So Kaylee was had an up. I mean, we had an up and down season, right, on the field. But Kaylee was one of the bright spots in the offense. Yeah. Um. Once I think she wasn't on the roster, or she didn't play in the first couple games. And once she showed up, this is my recollection. Once she showed up, like we looked better offensively from the forward position. Um. I'm really happy she's back. And the fact that she had another year of eligibility, which I thought she was done. So the fact she had another year, she played, she had a good year. It's very good. And it's, I think it's a, it's a very good signing. It's bringing back the standout players from last year. And yeah, love it. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. So I'm going to quibble with your returners thing. We have another returner. Oh, okay. You want to do this? I, I want to go straight, straight into summer Hernandez. So summer, formerly Summer Lanter, sister of Anna Lanter, is a former CFC player. That's true. A five foot four forward from Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. And you can tell she's from Saudi Daisy if you talk to her. <laughs> and Summer is married to Juan Hernandez. Or I should I say Juan Hernandez is lucky to be married to Summer yeah, yeah. Hernandez. That's what we're that's what we're doing for sure. And she is an original CFC player from the first iteration of the team. I don't know if Anna was on the very first CFC teams because she was young, but Summer was. In yeah. those first few, and and Anna was as well. Anna was also an original um, from the original run, but Summer has been an integral part of the offense in some really good CFC women's years, including when Coach Aaron Ridley was here. Yep, and she has been playing with uh, <laughs> Iron Horse eighteen thirty nine in the Chattanooga Football League which a little is, bit, which is your team, which is my team, uh, a little bit, and so that is her. That is where she's coming from on her transfer, 
and she's a CFC Academy coach now. Yeah. And that, that was, that's been a year or so. And, and the thing is, I talked to Summer like two years ago. Uh, when the women's team was supposed to be coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it was before, anyway, regardless, before it came back. And I was like, hey, Summer, you're coming back, right? And she was like, I don't know. I'm getting old. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know if I can still do it. Uh, and she's a full-time nurse. Like, I think I've said, probably said on this podcast before, but she worked with my wife for a couple of years. Like, they're, they're like full-time working people now. They're not, she's, she and her sister are both like not in college anymore. Right. And so she's like, I don't think I can do it anymore or whatever. She's 28. Like she's, I, she, I was trying to recruit her to play over 30s with us the other day. And she's like, I'm not quite there. Um, <laughs> but this makes me so excited that she's back. It's, it's the Lanter party now. It's, it's just really, really, really good. It's a, it's a great signing. It's nice to have her come home. Um, and by and, the way, she's been an all conference player before. Oh yeah. No, and, she's, she's no joke. Like, and, and, and she, she may be, she may be getting up there in years. Did you watch, did you watch in tryouts? Yeah. Yeah. She's still a monster. She's still a monster. Yeah. Yeah. No, no question. I, I watch her play against uh, like 18 year old boys who are all testosterone and she still murders them half the time. And like, they do not like it. They get real upset and they start trying to like go at her and beat. And she just takes the, she takes the ball. She blocks. It's so good. Yeah. She's, she's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite players. And I'm so happy she's home. Yeah. Let's move on to, to the first of three, like actually truly new players so, to, to CFC women. So back to the defenders, back to the defenders. We're going to go to Grace Barker Roberts, five, six outside back from Rickmansworth, uh, in the UK. Is there a more, uh, English it's name? So English. It's so, English <laughs> it's got a hyphen. It's so good. A, uh, five foot six outside back. So, I will be interested to see if she can play center back or if she can play in the midfield at all. So I looked up her tape and I watched as much as I could find. And I'm not sure, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, I'm not sure what she is. Because I it, the tape I saw was from like three years ago. Yeah. She's definitely a lot younger. She was playing outside back. But I couldn't find college tape of her to know what she's playing in the States. So with no disrespect meant here, but when you look at a player that grew up playing in France, for example, and they're a men's player, you, I look at that player and I go, they probably grew up playing its better competition than they would have in the States. So I look at that player on the men's side and I give them an extra point because I'm like, oh, grew up in France, grew up in Italy, whatever. That's a better soccer nation than us. So generally speaking, it's better on the training, it's better on the whatever. For the women's side, on the, we, the United States, is the best soccer nation in the world. So... It's the opposite. When I look at a player that grew up in France or in England or whatever else, I have a little bit of skepticism. The same thing I have against American players, skepticism. Not that I think they're worse, but like I look at the pedigree and I go, hmm, were you playing at a high level or yeah. not? So I'm not, again, I'm not talking any shit. I'm just very interested to see how good she is and how good some of these other players are. Sure. Um, and I'm very interested to see if you play in college here as an international player, then I have a little bit more of a window into you playing against high-level competition. I do love that she played uh, and spent time in the Arsenal and Watford Academies in the UK. Yep. But still, that video I watched was from several years ago, and it was Arsenal or Watford, I don't remember. And honestly, I wasn't impressed with the level. But she was like 16, so I'm not saying that she's a bad player. I'm just saying when you're watching somebody play against high-level competition, same pros versus amateurs, whatever else, it'll be interesting to see how she fits into this uh into this new, revamped, theoretically more talented CFC women's team. One thing I, I think it's interesting, and I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said about about pedigree and stuff like that in uh, the U.S. versus versus uh, from not the U.S., uh, but I, I will point out that that is changing. 
It is. The rest of the world is catching up in measurable ways. You are correct. To to the U.S. system on the on the women's side of things, and number one, that's concerning for U.S. dominance in, in women's soccer in general. Um, and and I think I think the women's game has a has a long way to go here. Yeah. No matter what, even the, even if it was at at, at the best at, at the pinnacle of uh, of the level of women's soccer, it's got a long way to go here. No matter what, but there is money, there is investment, and um, and and you're seeing some of these teams in, um, especially that have you know high level Premier League men's teams. I mean, like Arsenal uh, women, you know Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, are all investing yes. heavily. Uh, it, it's not near as much money on the, on the on the men's side than on the men's side, to be clear. But it doesn't take a ton. So prior to now, Title IX meant that the college investment into women's soccer has been far greater than any other place in the world was investing yes. into women's soccer. Yes. Now that professional men's teams have decided that professional women's soccer is important, and you know, fuck them for not deciding that before, but Correct. like that is the reality. Manchester United will now spend as much or more than a North Carolina will. And North Carolina was is a massive women's program, right? Well, it, it's so it's so much more because they're actually they're, now that you're seeing some transfer fees, you are seeing um legitimate like investments in terms of the player uh player budget. Oh, uh, look, Fiorentina, my team just built a giant training center in which they have a mirrored facility side for the women's team. Right. And their women's team is far less popular than their men's team and they have full set of training facilities that are mirrored or at least parts of them are mirrored. I don't know if every single piece is for the women's side. So right. the, the investment that's happening all over the world is now catching up or passing us because our professional women's league, while it is probably the best league in the world for talent, it is not for money, the biggest league in the right. world. So as time goes on, yes, I think we will see differences. And by the way, I realize that what I'm saying about like how I think about pedigree, I'm not saying that's necessarily perfectly fair, but I do think that in general, it's true. As time goes on, though, I could be wrong because it's possible that Grace grew up playing with enough investment over the past few years that the facility she played in, that the competition she played against, et cetera, et cetera. That the coaching. That the coaching, absolutely, was higher than I'm giving it credit for. And then my view may need to change over the coming years. I don't know. That's going to be interesting to watch. One of the things we talk about on on this podcast in, in relation to the women's football in general and the Wolfsburg partnership with CFC is Wolfsburg is one of those clubs that's, that's been investing in women's football for a long time. Uh, and the regular Champions League, you know, quarterfinalist, and um, and and one of the top top two teams along with Bayern in the in the women's Bundesliga, and I, I think, you know, my one of my goals for CFC is to become a place where, uh, at the amateur side, players come, both Americans because they want to play well, be in a community, and and eventually move on to NWSL and, and the pro ranks in the United States. But or, also, or abroad. But also, I want to see uh, you, not just not just Americans, but also like foreign players, especially EU-based players, to come over here for college, play play here at CFC as a as a you know a trial window into places like Wolfsburg, where we already have that connection. You know, that's that's my long-term, shortish long-term goal. I agree. Medium term. For, yeah, medium term goal for for CFC, and we've got a ways to go. Obviously. Oh, listen, it's. 
it should happen now. But we we can't snap our fingers and us make it happen. Correct. Now I will say here's something interesting. Uh, our next our next player that's that's new does come to us from Germany. Uh, so it's Margrut Kamp. This is a five foot three midfielder from. And this is going to be an absolute You're butchering. Not, I cannot wait for this. Moheim Anderer uh, in Germany. I have no idea if that was good or not. <laughs> um, she has 37 matches in two seasons with uh, University of Louisiana Monroe, where she's accumulated 10 goals and 11 assists. So what I said earlier about a new player coming over that hasn't played that much, like that's where I'm a, like, a little bit skeptical. Not that I think they're going to be bad, but I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to be. I look at a player like uh, Mara, and I go, all right, this player has played in college soccer. She's been great in college. 10 goals and 11 assists in 37 matches. Great. Yeah, it's not Germany shy. U16 to U20 teams, also good. I mean, Germany is historically a top five, exactly. top five country for women's soccer. So when uh, I look at... When, for national teams. When I look at this, like that's a great pedigree, a great resume, and it's not a young player... Although I don't, I don't know how old she is. We don't have that. I don't have that written here. But the fact that she's got 37 matches in two seasons with Louisiana Monroe, which I think we had a player in the first iteration of CFC that was from Louisiana Monroe as well. Um, yeah, that's really good, and that makes me very, very excited. Uh, that's an attacking player that scored some legit like amount of goals. Scored some goals, got some assists. Uh, it, it's it's a really might be your ten, maybe could be it could be one of two tens. You never know. Uh, you know the other the other player and the final player we have uh, to to talk about here is Nadia Ivanchenko. Uh, Nadia is five foot five midfielder from uh, Lviv, Ukraine, and uh, she's been a regular with the Ukrainian uh, youth national team setup, going back as far as like the U 13s uh, this past season for Truett McConnell University, where which is where Joel Costa came from i was hoping you'd leave that one to me uh <laughs> 11 goals and eight assists in 21 matches love that that's almost a goal or assist per game that's 19 goal contributions in 21 matches solid uh she was previously with southeast missouri state university and uh last summer played for peachtree city peachtree city maba in the uslw league and played in 11 matches with them i love these two signings. So I know I went on about, you know, we went on a diatribe about like, what does it look like and how do you evaluate based on pedigree and whatever else? I love the pedigree of both these players. And I love that we have two players that have scored or assisted. And then in this case, both of them scored and assisted significantly in college soccer. That's very good. Last year, our defense was our strength and it was, it had a few games that it wasn't as good, but our defense was our strength overall. And this year I would like us to be much more balanced. And based on the signing so far, I think we're going to be more balanced. Yeah, I, I, I would think It's so. early, I realize. But. And, and, and it's incredibly early. And, and we did see some... I'm, I'm kind of slightly moving on here a little bit. We did see some really good players that were, were in camp. Uh, not even camp. At, at tryouts. Uh, and, and it wasn't... That wasn't just like a come play, tryout for the team. We'll call you if we like you. Like, like sometimes you see with a lot of men's tryouts. Like that was very much an old school... Uh, CFC men's a, as an amateur side tryout where we've got players that we don't know about that, that we want to see just sign up and come. And we've also got players that we know about we want to to bring in and have, have a, a closer look at and then let them get a closer look at us. And I know there were several players. We we did a little thing afterwards. Uh, got to meet a few of them, yeah. With with a few players that were, that were prospective. And... Uh, you know, I, I hope that I hope that, that that went well and it was fruitful and we see uh now some some more announcements coming soon. 
yeah, uh, yeah. On, on that front. So if I'm looking at the caliber of this, I just want to point out the three kind of, you have four offensive players, either mid, that are not defenders, I should say. So you have two midfielders, two forwards. Um, I would argue the caliber, and I'm going to put Kaylee out of this, though I think she was great last year, so this is no no shade, but the caliber of the three player, new players that we've brought in look like real upgrades. Summer Hernandez, we know what she brings. She's a definite upgrade. Um, Nadia, on paper, certainly looks like an upgrade, and on film. And Mara also looks like an upgrade on paper. So that's three solid upgrades to the offense that I'm very, very excited about. And then having Kaylee back as well, that's a good start. There's a lot more players to go. And in the in the WPSL, which I, you know, I already talked about, you have so many subs, so you need to be deep. So you can have, because players can make a bigger difference because they can sub in and sub out. So you can use a larger roster. And it's a short season, and we're going to have a ton of games. But, man, I can't wait. And I can't wait. Can we get this... I want I want the schedule. Uh, yeah, I do too. I want to know. I want to plan my. I want to plan the rest of my summer. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will say this dovetails pretty nicely with a uh, with a mailbag question we got from Ross Singer. He asked, "What roster needs remain given the current set of, of announcements, and what kind of squad size are we looking at for the summer?" Boy, so I bet I got. I I don't have a lot of information here, but I got I got takes. Uh, roster needs. Let me just give you a take. All of them. Yes. Yeah, so we don't have any goalkeepers. We only have three defender, four defend. We have four defenders, but honestly, I don't think I'm not sure Anna's going to play defender. Um, she's not. Been play, I don't think she's been playing defender for in college. Um, at least, oh, so I saw her at tryouts and she was not playing defender. Let me let me put it back that way. I don't know what she's been playing in college. That's not fair. I assume because she was playing, um, because of where she was playing in tryouts, which was wing, right? which was winger. I assume that she's been playing winger in college. I could be wrong. Um, that's my assumption. I need to go back and figure that out. But either way. We don't have a full complement of anything. I We need a goalkeeper. We need a starting goalkeeper. Um, we need several goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah. But we need a starting level goalkeeper, and then that's the first piece. Also, we just need a lot more um, players overall. I think, unlike the men's team, um, which is only going to have between 20 and 24 guys. I think we're heading for 30. I think we're heading for 30 as well. And I think you have to because, number one, there are going to be. So I don't know if the Lanters still do this, but the Lanter family goes on vacation in the middle of every summer. Uh, and in previous uh, CFC women's iterations, they would go on vacation and those two players would be gone for a week. I'm not saying they're going to leave us for a week. What I'm saying is that can happen for amateur players, is that they yeah. can they can be out for a week. They might need to go sign up for classes and do a campus tour if they're transferring colleges in the middle of the season and miss a game or two, right? I'm not I'm I mean, not wishing for any of those things, but it's amateur it's amateur soccer. We remember Danny Reynolds went home two years in a row at the beginning at of June July. 1st, yeah, well, I think June first, one year, beginning of July. Um, still, like my, my yeah, it, it just goes to you need a bigger roster. Um, last year we were heavily locally focused, and we should be still have uh, a heavy local focus to make sure that girls in this area can become players for CFC and can and play for their hometown club. But on the other side, like we need to bring in talent from outside, and balancing that, I think, just means you're going to have a larger roster. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then, as far as um, what kind of yeah, what kind of squad size? Like, I think when in thirty, like yeah, thirty is for sure about right. I think we're going to. It depends on how many. Like, as far as like what we're missing, it's not just positionally because we don't have enough numbers. It depends on how many roster spots we're going to have that have housing. Yeah. So I don't know if this roster is going to be. 15 starters deep, 18 starters deep, or if it's going to be like eight or 10, like a tier above everyone else starters. And then a big tier below that where everybody's kind of like filling in based on the game, based on the matchup, based on whatever else. I don't know what that's going to look like. Some of that depends on how much 
resources have been devoted to giving housing spots. We saw that in the men's game as well. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, and I'm not saying like the. It's just basically you'll have tiers of players. So you have lockdown starters sometimes. And sometimes you have six lockdown starters and everybody else depends. And sometimes you have 15 that are the same. I think you would prefer to have 15 and then be a whole tier above everybody else. But sometimes you have eight that are a tier above everybody else. And then you have a whatever. So I don't know what that's going to look like. My hope is as we go forward, we have a lot more tier one players. A lot more players that are similar to kind of these announcements so far that are great pedigree excited to see them come in and that they've they're proven producers potentially proven wpsl players even so that we can get a a little more experienced um starting 11 so i'm gonna i'm gonna bring in another mailbag question here and another one from from ross he asked predictions Good on man. schedule uh a number of home games we've been told it's going to be fairly similar to last year I could not tell you if that means more home games or fewer home games. I don't think it'll be fewer because we only had four. I would I would not be shocked if it's four again. So when I looked at that roster or that um, announcement of teams, I got really excited. There's a boatload of teams. Yeah. And then I talked to Alex briefly, and she was like, "We're this going to be unbalanced, and we're not going to play all the teams." And I was like, "Son of a!" I just really thought like we would get like I wanted like eight home games. Like it would have yeah, been so cool, nice. or however many it would have been. But it sounds like there's going to be unbalanced. I bet it's four and four. I hope it's five and five. Also, oh, I think one's dropped out. So great. <laughs> um, I hope, but it's a WPSL. Um, so I hope. <laughs> yeah. Look, I hope it's five or six home games. Um, I think four is kind of the minimum. I just don't know. Uh, and I would guess that it's going to be unbalanced. So I would imagine. Like, we'll get paired with a certain... And I don't know if we'll play home and away against all those teams. They'll do divisions. Or if we'll just be completely unbalanced and, like, we'll play four different away and then four different home. I don't I don't know. But I would expect eight to ten games total. And, yeah, I can't wait to play teams that I can drive to. Yeah, so... Uh, that actually, that's a good, that's a good dovetail here because... It's almost like I knew what was coming next. Yeah, well, having a show doc does help. Um because uh, Climber asked uh, if you had to pick one road trip for CFC women, which would you pick? And I think this is actually. Do you with, have a list of teams without knowing? Uh, no, I, I think this actually this question is a lot easier uh, without even the teams don't even matter in this case. The way the schedule works out was we're playing summer women's soccer alongside uh, men's pro soccer throughout um, throughout the year. The answer in terms of if you can pick one uh, road trip is going to be, is there a road game that is drivable, that we can get as many people as possible to, and there's not a conflict? Uh, so traditionally, the way at least you and I try to operate is uh, home team, men or women, comes first. Yes. And then uh, a close women's road trip is ranked above... Uh, a, f- a much much farther men's road trip, uh, yes, and that's generally and that's generally how it's done. So if we get a close women's road trip that is not at the same time as the CFC men's home game, that's the one you pick. And it doesn't matter if it's in Knoxville or in Nashville or in Birmingham or the Bahamas. Like you pick you pick the the the, the road trip that you it's just available. And yeah. as many of those that are possible, because this season will fly by. So I'm going to read, I'm going to take a little bit different approach. I actually agree with all of that completely, but I'm going to take a little different approach to the question. I'm going to read to you the teams that are in our uh, Southeastern Conference and uh, that we might be able to play. Uh, 865 Alliance, they're in Knoxville. 
Atlanta Fire United, Charlotte Eagles, FC Birmingham, Georgia Impact, Nashville Rhythm, Soda City, and then the Women's Football Club of Charlotte. If you read those to me, I'm most excited, all other things being equal and all the things you said are correct caveats. 865 Alliance. I want to go to Knoxville because I want to go to the beer garden again. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyone that made that trip last year knows that was an absolute blast. I hope it's on a Saturday. I actually don't care what day it's on. I hope it's on a day that CFC Men doesn't play so we can go. Um, I hope it's, yeah, I hope that, that it works out. And that was a dope experience. It was super fun. It's close. It's actually the closest road trip. It's probably about an hour and a half. And yeah, I want to go. Uh, I want to hit that place up again. Love that. Uh, let me leave you with l- one last question. Uh, most anticipated matchup for CFC women in 2023? Nashville. Now, it's another good. Thank you, Jeffrey Clymer, for the question. Uh, Nashville. Yeah. Now, Nashville. we don't know what the schedule is going to be, but I would assume they're close. We're probably going to play them. Whether we play them in the regular season or not, it's Nashville. We will meet them in the playoffs if we make the playoffs. And they look, Nashville was one of the best teams in the country last yep. year. Yep. They were the best team in our conference by a long shot. And they, I mean, they could fall off a cliff, right? And that'd be great because I'd love to smash them because they beat the crap out of us last year. Yeah. But I, yeah, I want to play them and I want to beat them. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. I want to beat them. We played them three times. We lost three times, right? Just twice. Did we tie? No, we we just played them twice. Oh, we lost to Knoxville in the playoffs. That's right. Yes. yes. Uh, my bad. My bad. My bad. Uh, all those Northern Tennessee teams, I get confused. <laughs> um, they all look alike to me. Northern Tennessee. No one's ever described the state as Northern or Southern. <laughs> <laughs> any any team outside of Chattanooga is uh, unimportant to me. But I so I, Nashville was a class of the conference. They were the one of the classes of the WPSL, and I want to be honestly, if I'm being like just really blunt, I want to be where they are. I want to be as good as they were last year. I think that is CFC's rightful place in women's soccer. And we need to be better than we were last year on the field. And so Nashville is the team I want to match up with and I want to match up with well. I agree with you. I have no qualms with what you said. Let me add one slightly different take on it. And it's Nashville uh, for, for everything you said. That was a weird noise I just made. Yeah, you just, that, that came out of your mouth. Yeah, weird. <laughs> Nashville is the measuring stick. It is the barometer. If we play, let's just say we play them first in the in the first match of the season, just like we had last year. Nashville is the measuring stick for where we are. Yes, um, and and they are the they're the measuring stick no matter when we play them. Where where we were last year on the field was not great. I I am convinced that we will be better, but there are levels to being better, and because Nashville is not just a good program historically they're like among the best in the WPSL except we beat the good we beat the shit out of them the last year we played them with coach Aaron like that we, was 2018 like it's been five years I'm just saying they don't deserve this we do well that's fair but we had to bring your team back first so yeah, yeah it's fine I'm not, I'm not here to complain about last year I'm just saying like I want to be especially because of how good they were last year I want to beat them. They are, yeah, I want to beat them too. But they are the measuring stick that we have to, to in this see, conference to yeah. see where we are. By the way, watch us be wrong in like Atlanta, Atlanta, whatever. <laughs> It'd be like you know, epic. Yeah, that'd be wild. Like we we have to see where we are, and 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 they are they are the stepping stone to to where we want to be, which is among the best in the WPSL. I think they lost in like the the round of eight or the round of four or something like that. I thought it was round of four, but honestly, after. After once we I, lost, I, I, check, I, I checked, checked out. out. Yeah, yeah. So the playoffs stopped after that. Of so. course. 
Beautiful. Matthew, well, I think that's a pretty solid um, preview of the round one. Thank you, everybody, for round one, excuse me, of our previews of the women's roster. A lot more of that to come. Um, I don't know when we'll do our next review. Probably when we have a little, like, segment of players to do. Once we have a group of four to six players, we'll probably do another one. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see. But that's what we've kind of done with the men's roster. I think that's the the, easy, the easier balance. Um, and I can't wait to, like I said, make more prognostications about how we're going to play, talk to Coach Randy, and then also see what this team shapes up to be because this is Coach Randy's first full offseason to work. And, man, if, if tryouts are any indication of the change in level, we're going to be better. Yeah. And I know we've said before, but you want to, you said, I think you said second place was your kind of like minimum standard for this year. And we'll talk about some predictions closer to the season, but I want to win this conference, man. Absolutely. And and I think uh, if looking at these first few signings, like there's obviously no guarantees, but it is at least on the right track to being competitive for that top part of that conference, at least uh, on these first eight signings. I feel very good about them. Yeah, I do too. And I, I'm looking forward to, to getting getting some more and revisiting this and see where we are in a, in a few weeks. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Catch up with you soon.